and welcome to Heart of Medicine. Today, we're going to talk about job transitions in medicine. We've all had them. So when it comes to a job that isn't going perfect, when is it more beneficial for physicians to hang in there and weather the tides? And when should we just throw in the towel and call it quits? Is changing a job in medicine full of minefields? And is it harder for doctors to change their jobs compared to other professions? How do these job transitions impact us and our families? And more importantly, how do they impact our patients? That's the topic for today. I'm your host, Dr. Pyle Coley, and I'm joined by my co-hosts, Dr. Suzanne Barron and Dr. Hari Naidu. Hey, guys. Hi, Pyle. Hi. So, Suzanne, you could certainly speak to this because you just started a new job, and I myself have personally practiced in so many different career models, including Kaiser, hospital employment, and self-owned practice. So this is transitions that we have really lived over and over again in our careers. And it seems that we're not alone because the Association of American Medical Colleges has reported that about six to seven percent of physicians change their jobs every single year. Personally, I was completely shocked to hear that number. And a recent survey found that 43 percent of doctors changed their jobs during the pandemic between 2020 and 2022. And on top of that, 8% retired and 3% left medicine altogether. Now, certainly COVID-19 and burnout amongst physicians is a topic of itself. But today, let's talk about job transitions in medicine and really how they've impacted us, our career, our families, and our patients. So you guys, do you think that changing jobs one or more times in your career is a good thing or a bad thing for you as a physician, both personally and professionally? And how does it impact your care of patients. Well, as you guys know, and you mentioned, I you know I just recently transitioned jobs uh, earlier this year. You know, it's a it's a tough thing. I think, at least for me, when I came out of fellowship, I kind of assumed I would be in the same job for you know the next thirty five years. And I remember when I was leaving fellowship, uh, that one of my attendings said to me, "Well, if you don't, you know, if you don't like where you're going, it's okay. You can you can switch." And I was like, "Yeah, but nobody does that." And I remember him looking at me and saying, "50% of interventional cardiologists will leave their first job within the first two years." And I was like, "No, get out. That's not possible." And the interesting thing is, is that there was uh, five folks who had finished. I, I was one of five who had finished advanced training uh, at that that same time, and three out of five of us had, had, I actually wasn't one of them, but three out of five of us had left had left their first job within the first two years. I actually was in my first job for five years, so I actually didn't fall into that statistic, but it is true. And so I think the reality is, is that these transitions, even though we don't think about them, um, are actually happening a lot more than, than, you know, we're kind of at least led to believe early on in your careers. Um, you know, I think it's a, it's a hard thing to do because it does come with some reinvention every time you're learning a new uh, a new style, a new hospital, rather a new hospital style, a new set of workflows, a new group of colleagues, um, both, you know, from all the way from uh, executive assistants all the way up to, you know, your physician colleagues. And you're learning a new patient panel as well. And that certainly can you know, be a, you know, a, a, a big mountain to climb each time that you do it. I think one of the hardest things for me, I think actually was really kind of what you mentioned, Pyle, and that was, you know, saying goodbye to some of the patients who are in my patient panel, particularly when I left Kansas City and moved back to uh, Massachusetts. You know, obviously I said goodbye 
two, you know, five years worth of patients. And it, you know, it wasn't like I was going to run into them again. And, you know, it was actually, it was really difficult to say goodbye to folks who I had been part of their lives for, for five years and gotten to know them. And they had gotten to know me. They, you know, had some of them, you know, knew when I got married. And, you know, I remember one, one, one patient's family, you know, gave me a cookbook and one patient's family made me a quilt. And, you know, we just really got to know each other. I've actually tried to keep in touch a little bit with some of the patients that I've gotten to know. And they send me pictures of their grandkids every once in a while. And I get to keep in touch with them that way. But that part, I think, was the hardest thing in the job transition for me. Well, I think, Suzanne, the point that you made is so fascinating that as physicians, when we change our job, it's not a decision that just impacts us. It impacts our hundreds or thousands of patients in our panel. You don't know whether the next physician that they got is going to have that same kind of relationship. And, you know, when you go in and inherit your new patient panel, even learning your patients for the first time, you're just never quite as good because you haven't known them for as long. And so when it comes to your medical decision making, working up their chest pain or dizziness or what have you, you don't have that context. You know, that longitudinal relationship that can really help to set the stage for what type of testing or care, whatever you might want to give them. So to me, that's a really fascinating aspect because most people, when they change a job, it just impacts them and their immediate family. But for us, it actually impacts the hundreds and thousands of patients that we care for. A lot of people move in the first couple of years because I think later on, it does become very difficult to move and impact your family and your patients uh, that have become sort of accustomed to the job that you had had uh, and the amount of patients you've taken care of. In the beginning, though, I think it is important that people look to see, you know, is this the job for me? And a lot of people oftentimes, you know, leave their first job because they either feel that the environment or the opportunities at the job were not as they expected, or they grew faster than that job and they realized that there might be another opportunity that might be better for them, be it a different title or moving up the ladder, moving more academic, or maybe moving to private practice and understanding themselves better. It's kind of the first time you, after training, realize that you are sort of the captain of your own ship and are allowed to then figure out, well, what's better for me? And then ultimately would be better for my patients as well. But I agree that later on, it becomes very difficult. I've transitioned, um, you know, obviously we all transitioned out of fellowship into a job. And then since then I've transitioned twice. Um, each time is scary because of all the things you guys are mentioning. One is that you have to reinvent yourself. And after proving yourself at an institution, you kind of have to prove yourself again. And obviously if you have the, uh, ability and you did it the first time, you probably will do it again, but it doesn't make it any less stressful. And then, of course, um, starting your practice again is very hard, as you guys are mentioning, because most of the time patients can't uh, leave the institution and come follow you because of non-competes and, and restrictive covenants and non-solicitation agreements. And those have become more commonplace to make that part of it hard. You know what I think is really interesting that you said, Hari, was that, you know, we go into our first job almost with a blindfold on. We don't know what to expect. We don't really know what we want. And, you know, I like to think of jobs almost like you think about dating, you know, so it's like a blind date, really, so to speak. You're just doing a leap of faith and getting in there and you think you know what you want, but it isn't really until you're in there, you've spent some time there that you actually understand yourself. So I think a huge fallacy is also in the in the transition process after fellowship or residency, how we go about finding jobs. We're just kind of shooting in the dark. And, you know, if there was a better way for us to figure out what we want beforehand, whether it was doing internships or externships or actually trying to get a better handle on the types of roles that we're going to play, I think fewer people would end up leaving in the beginning. But 
to your point, it is also an evolution process. And I feel like as physicians, we, we have three different stages of our career, you know, stage one, stage two, and stage three. And when we come out and stage one, we're looking for a very different environment, different sorts of goals and objectives than maybe mid-career stage two and then late career stage three. And all of that can also impact what type of job we want to practice in. Yeah. So, Paul, you, you made a, a rather, I think, for, unusual for most physicians transition a little more into the public or media sector. Tell us about that, because I think we do have people who probably want to hear about that. Yeah. You know, it's fascinating because I've heard that statistic that Suzanne mentioned, and I think it's probably even higher, up to three out of four, I think, within the first two or three years in some other specialties. And I switched twice within the first four years. And after that second transition, I realized what I was doing was rearranging the deck chairs. And it was, at the end of the day, the same thing. And there was really a bigger void or hole or gap that I was seeking in my career that no amount of money or RVUs or clinical support or whatever it is that people change their jobs for was going to fill. And so I actually almost had a philosophical epiphany, I would say, when I realized that sometimes we get pigeonholed into these pathways because we follow our mentors and we follow the path that people have laid before us. And, and we're so used to doing that because that's what we've always done throughout our training, that we never stop to take a step back and say, well, is this what I actually want? And so often I say now that we change ourselves to fit the careers that are out there, when in fact, we should be creating the career that we want, that fits us. And that's what I really realized is that I was on fast on my way to burnout and actually on to quitting clinical medicine if I had just gone into another job, if I didn't do something different. And that's what made me really pause and say, what makes me happy is impacting people's lives and seeing how that impact plays itself out. I like to tell stories. I like to talk to patients. And where does that come together? And for me, that was, you know, having a, a role at media and medicine and seeing how you can use media to change population health, to change individual health, to tell stories, to educate, to change human behavior. And and I have to be honest, I've never been happy and I could never look back. But if I had just gone from that one stone in front of the other that was laid out in front of me, I don't think, had I not stumbled off the stone, I don't think I ever would have found this path. I do think that people have to you know, dig deep and try to figure out what makes them happy and make sure they find a job that allows them to do that because jobs can be very restricting as well. Like, for example, if you want to do stuff with industry or you want to be able to have the flexibility to travel to conferences and have more leadership opportunities, your job has to be flexible about that and understand and appreciate the value of that. And, and frankly speaking, most jobs don't do that. So you kind of have to find an institution that either has other people who have blazed different paths like yours and, and Suzanne's and mine's or, you know, make that case to them that this is what makes you happy and ultimately it'll be better for your patients and for productivity as well. I think it's also important to think about, you know, how that also changes over time. I mean, I feel like when you first come out of fellowship, I mean, look, I, I don't want to speak for you guys, but like when I was just getting out of fellowship, I was like, man, I just need a job. I need a job so that I got some health insurance and I got an income because, at, you know, on June 30th, pay off your loans. Yeah. Yeah. On June 30th, I'm no longer employed and I need to be employed somewhere, you know. And so I, I you know, that that's kind of for me, it was one of my big priorities was yeah, I need a job. That is the big one at the beginning for sure. Right. That's yeah. the big one. But obviously, that is not, and not that we don't still always need jobs. I, I, we absolutely do. But as you kind of mature it through your career, you start to think about, well, Besides having the job, what are the things I want within that job? You know, besides just I need a job. And and I do think that sometimes that can be hard to actually identify within yourself. 
Um, particularly when you're just really busy, you know, taking care of patients, writing epic notes, doing all that sort of stuff. It's sometimes hard to find the time to sit down and say, you know, what is the thing that really drives me? Is it spending time with patients? Is it doing procedures? Is it, you know, working on developing programs? You know, is it being administrative? Is it doing education? You know, in whatever way that that is, is it education from a population health standpoint through medical media like you do, Pyle? Is it education with medical students? Is it education with residents? Is it doing research? I mean, there's just so much more that's out there. And being able to really pinpoint that and identify that in yourself, I think, not only can be difficult, but also is something that can change um, over time and develop over time. And as that develops, it does kind of see make you kind of determine when is it time for me to transition into the job? Because maybe the job I'm in now, which is great, you know, might not be the job that was right for me five or 10 years ago, may not be the job that's right for what I want and now for the next in need for the next 10 years. And that sparks that job transition. Yeah. I think you hit the nail on the head, Suzanne, which is that you take that first job and then really you're spreading your wings and you, you realize maybe you're not happy in some things or you figure out there's other things that uh, that now um, that you're in the first job and you have you, know, you got your feet wet, there's other things you want to do will make you happy. And then that's probably the reason that most people transition because that first job would not have been the perfect job if they realized what they wanted to do. But nobody realizes that coming out of fellowship. That's part of the evolution and growth. Well, I'm going to go back to my dating analogy because obviously, you know, the more that you date, the more that you know kind of what you want. And as time goes on, you know yourself. But I also think the landscape of jobs has changed. Even over the course of our careers, what's available, what's out there is looking very different than what it did 10 or 20 years ago. And many more people are now hospital employed. Many more people are doing sort of atypical things as well, such as healthcare startups and venture capital and, you know, industry and more so than before, where a lot of people would finish medical school or medical training and go sort of directly into practice, mostly private practice, where they were self-employed or in a group. So I think it's kind of interesting because you almost have two or three variables changing at once. You're changing the environment and the opportunities out there are changing. And then the phase in life that you are, time is changing as well. And so what exactly you're looking for, how much money you need, how much time off you need, whether you have a family, all of those things change as well. And, you know, family is something we haven't talked about, but every time we change a job, it impacts our family, our friends. And, you know, it can it can have a really dramatic impact on our interpersonal relationships. I agree. I absolutely agree with that. I want to ask one more question for you guys. This is a transition. We're always talking about sort of a positive transition where, you know, you go to some place and then you realize it's not for you and so you go, but, uh, and you find someplace else. But I oftentimes tell people that when, when they transition, it's usually partly, you know, what's attracting you about a new job, but partly what's pushing you. And sometimes what's pushing you is not always positive in that, uh, you know, things happen. You know, as a leader in a society, a couple societies, I do have people reach out to me who are having trouble at their institution or getting picked on at their institution, not necessarily bullying, but, you know, uh, the rest of the place sort of ganging up in a way, um, micromanaging their their cases and making them look bad, or even, even people who've gone and gotten reported to the state, things like that. Uh, oftentimes for, you know, these sort of indirect uh, things that are not necessarily clinical all the time. So I oftentimes see that people transition also because of these politics that happen at their institution or in their, or in their region. And that's not always very pleasant. Curious if you guys have heard some of these things as well. Absolutely. I mean, I think that that happens more often than people can admit freely and openly. And I would say that, you know, personally, I think that the, the negative part of, of a job sometimes is is what you, is the hardest piece to navigate. Because when I was, for example, in my two employed positions, I personally did not 
find that I was the right fit culturally for the group and for the for the way things were run and, and the leadership and their expectations. But the advice that I got was put your head down and do your work. And that's the right thing to do in medicine. And then, you know, I reached out to some colleagues at other institutions and they said, you want to weather the tide. The ups and downs happen all the time. You're going to have good days. You're going to have bad days. People come and people go. There's personalities at work. Just just deal with it. But I think that balance, Hari, to what you're pointing out, at what point does it get start impacting you as a person, as a physician, impacting right. your patients and and impacting your your happiness, your engagement, like you're wanting to come to work every day. You know, if we think about how many hours we spend of our day at work, it is the majority of our life, really, if you think about it. So I do think that it's a fine balance. Of course, there is some, you know, you need to just compromise and, and put up with it. But at some point, you shouldn't feel so stuck or right. worried to leave that you'll just keep looking the other way. Yeah, I think sometimes people get so miserable or upset at their job that they just jump to anything, and that's probably the wrong thing to do, and that just sets up a second problem. I think you're probably right. Put your head down and just sort of do the, the regular work and and, uh, and wait for something good to come out and put some feelers out amongst friends that uh, that you're potentially looking and seeing what might, might be out there. You know, some people actually turn to substances, and when things get really rough at work, I, I know a lot of, like, your work environment drives a lot of your behavior outside of work, and... So people drink more, people are depressed, people start to have, you know, mental health problems. And so the work can really impact you in so many different ways. I think you're totally right about that. It absolutely can impact you. And I mean, I do think one of the nice things is, is that once you're out of getting that first job, at least you've got a job and it does give you that leeway, you know, just like you said, uh, Hari, to, you know, reach out and put out feelers and find what the right place is. Because just because, you know, and Pilot, you've said this, it's a little bit like dating. Just because, you know, one job and you are not the right culture fit or it's not going to be the right opportunity for growth for you doesn't mean that, you know, you're bad or the place is bad. It's just it's not the right match. And so, you know, the finding, you know, what is going to be the right match for you, but being able to do it in a kind of educated, controlled way as possible is going to be important. And while you're doing that, figuring out ways to keep yourself healthy and keep yourself in a good physical and emotional headspace is super important. Yeah, the other thing is that it becomes difficult to know whether you should let somebody know, like your chief or your director, or your immediate colleagues or whatnot, that you know you're looking for something to change. It's hard because I think some cultures, if you say those things, you get it depends on the chief and their mentality of, about whether they want to try to improve the situation for you or whether they feel that you might be a complainer, and so that becomes tough too. So you oftentimes feel like you just have to look for another job. So I think from a job transition standpoint, it, it is hard for physicians to you know, to just put their head down and not try to make things better, but then oftentimes feel caught that, you know, if they complain, then they look like a complainer and it, it it's sort of a vicious spiral and they may not have that opportunity to find that perfect job. Yeah, it's true. You really have to find that balance between what can you fix versus is it too far in and you just got to start all over somewhere else. And it is hard with the patients because I think if you leave, I've transitioned twice, but I've stayed in New York. And so I've been able to maintain my patients only because they've been able to find me. But we typically can't go after them, and that 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 is also something that I know that nationally, and certainly in New York and in Massachusetts, where you are, Suzanne, that the not competes have been eliminated. So at least we're able to, at least in those states, keep our patients. So some of that major satisfaction is still there. You know, guys, I've really enjoyed this discussion, but I I ask myself this question often: What advice would you give to your younger self, or maybe to someone else who is thinking about a job transition or wondering if they should jump ship? or weather the tides, and what words of wisdom would you leave them with? 
I would just say listen to yourself. I mean, try to get a sense of do you feel happy? You'll know if you're unhappy or ask people around you if, if, if it seems like you're not happy, then you should try to figure out why that is, how much of it is the work, how much of it is not work, and you know what would make you happy. That, that introspection, as you talked about, Pyle, would be probably better. And most people don't do that. They ask their mentor just to look for jobs for them, and uh, but not really understanding what kind of environment would be best for them. I like that. Suzanne? I'm going to answer the question, but I'm going to do it a step ahead. So I'm going to say you've made the decision, you're transitioning jobs, and you're you're at your new job. What piece of advice would you give? And I'm only doing this because, again, I've just gone through it. So I've just, this is, it's all fresh in my mind. So the first thing that I would say is actually take your luck and spend that hour with the Epic or whatever EMR person that is there to show you all the little shortcuts. It will save you so much time in the future. I wish I had done that in my last two jobs and I did this time and it made it so much easier. That's my jokey one. Well, I mean, not jokey. It's totally serious. But the other piece of advice I would say is certainly when you're in a new job, I would say find your one or your two people that you can go to because Mm -hmm. the reality is, is there's going to be so many things that you just aren't going to necessarily know the workflow things or just, you know, who does this or how does this get done or what shouldn't I say to this person, that type of thing. And I think it's really important to identify one or two allies very early on because they can be your go-to to kind of help you through that, frankly, stressful and a little bit scary, you know, transition. And I have to say, I've been really, really lucky that, you know, at all of, all of my, you know, I've been, this is now my third job and at all three places, I've been really lucky to be able to identify, you know, those one or two people at each institution who have really kind of helped shepherd me through those first, you know, few months where you're just in over your head a little bit. And um, so I, I would definitely say identify those allies, find them quick uh, and and lean on them when you need to and and then pay it forward to the next person. Yeah, because the first few months of reputation is, you know, it's first impressions are everything, right? So when it you sure tra- is. And, yep. When you transition your work ethic and being happy and sort of, uh, you know, sort of a no problem type of person, I think is very important. So Hari says introspection, Suzanne says find your mentors, and I'm going to say something in between those two. So once you've introspected, before you've gotten to your new job, take some risk, because if you don't take risk, your reward may not come to you. So feel free to color outside the lines, feel free to try something different. You can always go back to finding another employed job as a backup, but in between, if you're not happy just being employed or being 100% clinical, figure out, you know, how you can take that risk and how you can make it happen. Well, guys, I've thoroughly enjoyed this discussion. And I wish I had heard some of these pieces of knowledge back when I was changing job after job. But I hope our audience has as well. And to our audience, we hope you'll write in with questions, comments, reactions. Have you had a tough job transition? What were the factors that went into you deciding to have a new job? And you know, what are the learning pearls that have come out of your job transitions? Also, be sure to subscribe and follow us on Google, Apple, or Spotify podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you like what you hear, please do review us. Until next time, take care. This podcast is sponsored by Asperion Therapeutics. Asperion Therapeutics, providing the next step in getting patients to their LDL cholesterol goal. Visit www.esperionscience.com to learn more.